This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have got a super dynamic guest with an incredible background that has absolutely nothing to do with insurance, which is why you guys are probably going to love Mr. Howie Zales. Howie, what's going on, man? Hey, grateful to be here. Thank you. Yes, sir. So I was really intrigued when I started looking at your story and sort of some of what your background is. So mm-hmm. before we get into the weeds uh, of talking about you know what you do and sort of what you've done during COVID to pivot and everything, why don't you sort of give everybody the 10,000-foot overview of who you are and, and what your background is? Yeah, uh, sure. I'm... Um a professional camera operator. I do, uh, I did, I don't do it anymore. I recently just retired from doing network level sports and entertainment events. So I've done uh, Super Bowls, Olympics, football games, um, you you name it, it's a sport, it's been on TV, I've probably shot it. Uh, And I also traveled the world with the World Wrestling Entertainment WWE (laughs) as a camera operator backstage as well. Dream job. What years was that? Uh, The 2000 through last year. If you would have said any date in the 1980s, you would have been my new hero. Like 80s, (laughs) early 90s. Like those are my, that's, that was wrestling to me. Heyday. You know, but I I do have to ask you, man, I don't want to interrupt you in the middle of what you were talking about, but I got to know if you were operating on the sidelines of that many major sporting events, you got to tell us what's the worst hit you ever took. (laughs) Uh, I got three good stories for you. The first one. Let's go. (laughs) <laughs> First one was not on a football field. It was a baseball baseball game. I was doing the camera on the third base side of at Shea Stadium where the Mets used to play. And mm-hmm. there was a runner on second base and it was a right-handed batter. So that meant my responsibility during that situation was to shoot the runner on second because he was the lead runner and watch the pitch, right? So I'm like this. <laughs> Next thing I know, I wake up in the in the hospital. I got oh a line gosh. drive right here. Ooh. I still have oh, a ball. Oh, my goodness. And Joe McCune from the Mets went out in front of the pitch because it was an off-speed pitch. And uh, just racked it, it down the third baseline. Yep. Worst ever. 
and the the, the I fell after I got hit in the head. I fell seven feet into the dugout because oh your oh your field level camera's field level, right? So yeah. I went like up and over a chain that was behind me into the dugout. And the funny part of the story, you know, I'm okay now, obviously, right? A bad concussion. But the funny part of the story is. I was working for ESPN and there was the home feed and the away feed going on simultaneously. So they keep, um, they use my camera because when I got hit, it kind of jerked the camera to the pitcher's mound. Meanwhile, they're working on me because I'm like, they think I'm dead in the dugout. <laughs> the pitcher is walking around the pitcher's mound and they take my camera three times because they're just, you know, play is stopped, right? And on the fourth time, the pitcher walks off the mound onto the grass and I don't pan with him because I'm five feet right. below. And I'm getting yelled at, you know, pan, 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 pan. And then finally it reaches our TV truck that it was me that it was hit. Jeez. And listen, I'm an ex-baseball player, so I understand the deadening sound of a line drive Oof. hitting somebody's head. It's like God. one of the worst things you could ever hear. They said another inch over would have killed me on the spot because as you get closer to the center, it gets softer. Well, and I mean, it's crazy because obviously we go. I go to baseball games now, and I look at it from a different lens, considering the fact uh, you know we're in insurance and risk management for a living, (laughs) and the fact that they put those nets up is a huge deal, man. Like the average fan does not really understand the speed at which the game. Is actually, well, dude, I mean, like, there's a lot of the downtime coming in between at pitches. the batter, you know, 95, 100 miles per hour, and then coming off the bat. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Like 115, 120 miles an hour. When I played, we didn't even measure that stuff, right? right? Like, right. we didn't even know how fast it was. But I mean, it's it's crazy. I don't I don't know what they can do to fix that problem because it's. I mean, look how many pitchers have gotten drilled in the yeah. recent past, and it's not like we're yeah. using you know these super juiced aluminum bats or whatever. Yeah, right. yeah, no, it's definitely a problem. And they've done the same thing in hockey with the fans. They put nets ar- almost around the entire the entire arena to keep it safe. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when the Lightning came here to Tampa originally, I had season tickets the very first year they were here. They played out at the fairgrounds, which is a uh-huh. much smaller venue, obviously, than what Amelie Arena is now. And, I mean, there were no nets. Like, right. it didn't matter where you were. There were no nets. And, I mean, I watched yeah. a dude take a puck right between the eyes. Oh, yeah. And I don't, I don't, he, he may have died from it, man. I mean, Jeez. we were, like, probably 15, 20 what, rows what up. What building was that at, at the fairgrounds? Out at the fairgrounds, man. That big multi-purpose center where, like, the high school graduations and stuff are now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's crazy, but Rob Zaminer from the Lightning, who had an absolute wicked slap shot, like just insane. Like when you played, he's no, he's when no you played, stammer. When you played on Sega Genesis, you wanted Zaminer to wind up and just <laughs> drill it when you got the one timer. And he did. I watched him do it in real life. I never saw the puck. It hit a guy like two rows up, three guys down from me, and it might you could have hit me, and I wouldn't even have seen it coming. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, I mean, so we got the first one out of the way. What's number yeah, two? The, the, I don't know the how other you two get any are worse than that. The other two are football uh, related. Um, I was on the sideline at Notre Dame, and I there was a punt, and the ball went to the other side of the field, and I kind of just went with the ball and my camera, right? But the ball went to the other side of the field. Next thing I know, I'm in the hospital again. <laughs> I got uh, two two guys were like grappling each other, going down the field, not even anywhere near the ball. And went out of bounds, and, and I was shooting this way because the ball went that way, and they came this way. 
and I was supposed to have a utility behind me to protect me to get me out of the way, but I found out later that he was taking pictures with his camera phone instead of protecting me because it hit my blind side. Uh, thankfully, the camera was there. It kind of absorbed a lot of the blow, but I still ended up breaking my tailbone and having a pretty major concussion. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Yeah. Okay, I, mean, so I don't even remember three, where like the third one <laughs> The third yeah. one happened at an NFL sideline somewhere. I really have no idea where. How do you well, I mean, remember you see anything that stuff, at this man. point? Yeah, yeah you see <laughs> yeah. all that stuff in – like the sideline ones are the worst. And it's yeah. all oh, yeah. And this is not directed at you because you're not an older, overweight person, right? But no, no. it seems like it's always the fat old man on the sidelines <laughs> that gets hit right at the <laughs> yeah. kneecaps. Like right well, at the kneecaps. And, and you know, from uh, – I always shoot on the sideline, so I always shoot in the kneeling position. And you're you're always taught, or when when I learned, you were taught to commit to a, a direction, right? If they're coming at you, you go to a direction. You never get you never go back because if you go backwards, they're just gonna go right into you, right? So if yeah. you pick a direction or stay low, you have a really good chance of not getting hit because then they're gonna go to the other direction, hopefully. But um, uh, yeah, it's it, it hurts. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, how awesome would it be if, like, there was a guy that was just jacked as a photographer on the sideline, <laughs> and he just he gets the hot feet and starts. He sees somebody coming and gets the hot feet going like Terry Tate and just lays down. And when the the running back or whoever has the ball comes, dude just meets him and Levels stands him. him up on the sidelines. Just well, throws the camera to the side and stands him happened. up. I was doing uh, the Belmont Stakes in New York a few years ago, and uh, we always I operate a wireless camera, and I, we always get a security guard. And the security guard I had was um, uh, a professional. She was she played in the women's professional football league, and someone came at me like way too close. She like lowered her shoulder and like flipped this guy out, up and over. I was like, <laughs> oh my god! But uh, <laughs> that's amazing. This woman totally took this guy out. Yeah, it's it, it just it's it's insane. And the the problem is, you, you know, if you're taking pictures, you can't be looking left, right, whatever well, else. No, you've I mean, got you're in the you zone. Have to have like a, you're you're focused on your on your task, man. You got no yeah. idea what else is going on around. Like you. Even the guys in the bullpen guy have the the batting the bat boy or or the ball boy or whatever, or you know, one of the other relievers stands out there with a glove to protect whoever's warming and up. You probably can't really hear too much what's going on because a lot of times you got headphones in or something. Well, we we hear the announcers and we hear the director, uh, and I always shoot with. Uh, I always shoot with my left eye open so I ha I could see and that's something mm -hmm. that uh, it's a safety thing that you just learn to kind of you learn to do that's interesting just, just okay. in case yeah uh, huh. because and it's also keeps you like if, if you lose the play or whatever you keep your eye open you, you know you know what's going on makes sense so after hearing that it's probably a good thing that you're not doing that anymore <laughs> yeah yeah my back is definitely you know I, i've shot with a handheld camera for over 20 years so I, i'm i'm good <laughs> yeah there you go yeah so t 
Talk about how you so so we interrupted you to hear your three stories in the middle of you sort of giving your background. Wrap yeah. that up and let's get into what you're doing now. Yeah, so I, I spent you know over 20 years shooting professional sports and entertainment, and simultaneous to that, I always had a company on the side, a hiring company where we would hire um, the same type of people, TV crews for sports and entertainment events in the New York area. So companies would call us and we put crews together for hockey games, baseball games, you name it, whatever was going on. And, you know, over the course of the years, we, we kind of expanded, we hired a person, we always, we expand a little more Then we, the, we started signing some union, union contracts in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. And we ended up signing contracts all around the United States where we can employ, um, TV crews for different types of sporting and entertainment events nationwide. Then March 11th, 2020. Right? <laughs> <laughs> What's the significance of that date? Yeah. Gee, Everything I stopped, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause well, I mean, you're in, you're, are you based in New York now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't even imagine, man. I mean, in, in what's crazy is, you know, look, political comments and everything aside, Florida's not open. Like we're still not completely open, right? Mm. Yeah, but I think that that's the rap that know. we got. Depends on where from, you go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's not. But I'm going. Even if you go back to March, we were every bit yeah. as locked down as everybody else in the country was. It's oh, for not, sure. I, I think DeSantis is getting a bad rap from the press for a lot of stuff, and most of it's from people who aren't here, you know. But when people come down True. and visit, even they're like, "Wow, you guys still have to wear masks here, or there, or whatever." Like even you know when we when they just started opening restaurants back up at half capacity. Right. And all of that stuff. But we had to change, man. We had to change literally everything we were doing. Imagine having a business where in, in I'm sure you're imagining this because you lived it, but you know, we we go into other people's businesses to call on them, to generate new business opportunities, to meet with them, to get them to hire us, and now all of a sudden that's taken away. Boom. Yeah. Rug pulled right out from under you. And our business was unique in the sense that everything was shut down. So we had people willing to work, obviously, right? But there was no sports. There was no entertainment. All the buildings and the arenas were shut down. And then when the leagues kind of reopened for a little bit in the summer, they went into those bubble situations. So not uh, it was a very small population of the television community that, that was even allowed to work. And you had to go somewhere for a month and a half and isolate. So it, right. it, it was a it was a bad. It, although there was some sports on TV, it wasn't a good situation. And then fast forward to this past year, um, whenever there's normal in normal times, whenever there's uh, an, a, a TV show or a sports television show going on, there's always two crews: a show, a home show, and an away show, and it's two independent broadcasts going on simultaneously. But hmm. you know when COVID. During COVID, when it's uh, last year, um, there was only one broadcast, and the away team took the feed of the home team's broadcast, and their announcers just kind of uh, called the game from back wherever the announcers were from. So that was even half the te- half the amount of people right. working, and you know it put a huge, huge strain on the industry, like many others. So how did yeah, you absolutely. battle through that? So 
as a company, you know, we had to make a decision. How are we going to make money when there was, legitimately it was all like everything was taken away? So we got into uh, I did a lot of research um, and we we got into live streaming. And uh, but I knew I'd, if we were going to commit to this, we need to, needed to do it in a professional way. How are we going to help clients that still needed to get their content out there? Uh, how are we going to get it done in a way where it would be professional, the quality would be as if it could air on broadcast television? So we did a lot of research. We put a team of people together um, and we had, you know, help from people that are way smarter than I am. And um, a client called one day and said, listen, we want to interview nine baseball players in nine weeks in nine separate cities, but the interviewer cannot leave her house. How can we do that? And I'm like, oh, we can totally do that. I had no idea how we were going to do it. <laughs> but uh, Now you're speaking my language. Yeah, That's how exactly. I operate. We figured it out and we, you know, one job became another job and it just snowballed. Huh. Okay. We ended up creating these um, computer kits with uh, high high end laptops, microphones, cameras, ring lights, Ethernet cables, computer stands to bring the the computer up so the camera would be eye level. Um, and we'd ship these computers out, and through the software we're using, VMix, we were able to create these high quality broadcasts for our clients and our clients' clients, and they were still able to get, um, you know, their content out there. We, we were able to work with, you know, people like um, Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson, Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, uh, you know, big name celebrities were able to still appear on shows because of the, you know, productions that we were involved with. That's pretty cool. I know that one thing, you know, that's it's changed a lot. I mean, we were talking about this right before we went on to to start recording this about how we're looking at doing live stream now. Just when we record the podcast, I don't know how many mm -hmm. people would actually watch it versus who would watch the <laughs> like four you know, the recorded version because I mean, the majority of our people are listening on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, but we do get some people who watch on YouTube, but I think it's a big differentiator, man. I don't know of anybody else in our space anyhow mm -hmm. that's doing that. And I mean, it seems like there has been just a ton of change in how you can do live stream over the course of the last year or two. Talk about that for a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the technology was, was a few years away. Right. And it just kind of got sped up overnight, especially <laughs> in the professional uh, world. But uh, for the person doing it at home from uh, that's it, there's, there's a lot of different piece, types of software out there. Some are more prosumer than others. Some are, you know, professional types of software, but you can, you know, I live stream my podcast weekly from my house using professional software. And um, we have a content delivery network, a CDN, where all of our shows live and we actually create uh, and house content for clients and direct these players to their web experience. So it's not, it doesn't look like it's airing on YouTube or Vimeo. It's a private labeled player and web experience that we create for our clients. So that's how we do our, our show as well. Do you think that live streaming is going to continue to gain traction at this point? Cause I mean, I look at it this way. 
this general medium, just the concept of it has been around forever, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like live streaming is just a new buzzword for an old thing. And, and where I'm going with this is I can remember when I was a kid that if you had the ability, you could start your own public access TV show. Like right. that's the whole premise of Wayne's World, man, <laughs> was they had their own exactly. public access show. But we had a massive public access presence here in Tampa. It was all over the place. And well, who were we just you, talking about this with? Was it just maybe it was just me and you? I think it was me and you talking on, on the way out to Orlando. Um, it was, yeah. We were talking on the way <laughs> yeah. over to Orlando, but I mean, it was like a big deal. And the thing was, there wasn't the restrictions that you have to go on regular TV. Like it was a free for all, <laughs> man. I'm not even going to candy coat it. You didn't. You better know what you were tuning into before you turned the channel on, or Grandma might get embarrassed by what was on uh, the screen. But I mean, it was an interesting play because the, what it brought up was a ton of First Amendment. Um, arguments and everything else because of course you had people trying to squash it people who were trying to support it but the bottom line is people were trying to get their point of view out their their content out to their perceived audience at that right. time that's not changed at all man it's just a different medium in which you're you're delivering that same concept the difference being we have data and analytics now that can help us make intelligent decisions as to how we're going to do this when we're going to do it who we're going to do it for you know what mediums you're going to stream to and all of that so I think it's it's morphed, but you know I'm interested in your thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, I and it's just kind of it's it's the same comparison as like uh, you know the streaming services and network television, right? Streaming services has overcome network television. Uh, live streaming is uh, the use of live stream to to get content out there is totally taking over how people are getting their content out there because you can't rely on you know the social media platforms to distribute your content because the algorithms constantly change but um if you create a live hmm. stream through a cdn to a web experience and you get that to your following that's the direct that's that's the way to do it that's where we that's where we you know help our clients with is uh is uh, is that's how we help our clients get their message out there is through the web experience to their followers, getting getting their followers from the platforms to the web experience. Got it. So the big thing is if they're streaming to Facebook, your goal is not necessarily for them to stay on Facebook. Your no, goal you is want to, to take go them somewhere off. completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And See, why do you want to do that? Because the algorithms are constantly changing. So your followers on Facebook might not be seeing your content. Facebook oh boy, have also, they changed. I, I remember 10 years ago, no matter what you posted, it was seen by 100% of everybody, specifically yeah. if you had yeah. a business page, right? And then, right. then everybody moved from having a business page to having a business group because groups had a different algorithm and more posts and things began to show up there. But you know, a Facebook business page, unless you're paying money to advertise with them, boost posts and everything else is essentially a worthless repository yeah, for it's information. Yeah, it's it's a waste of money. So if you, hmm. and it's same thing with, if you stream to YouTube, right? YouTube puts ads on there that you may or may not want to be associated with. It might be your with. competitor. Right. Yeah. And then at the afterwards, it goes to another video that may not be yours. So hmm. if you have your own, you know, um, content network and web experience, you control everything. You control who the advertisers advertisements are or um 
who they aren't and what videos play in what order. And that's, that's what we're, you know, exactly what your question was is where's live stream going is that's what we're doing for our clients is we're creating t TV networks on the web. I, I was going to say it's, you're essentially your own TV channel on the internet. Yeah. Basically at that point. Yep. So let's dial it back for a couple of seconds because we're dealing with a lot of people that are like me. We're all big, dumb animals. We don't necessarily know, you know, what we, what we need. Um, if you were just getting started out, understanding that you have one piece of equipment, that's probably worth more than everything I own combined in terms of video <laughs> equipment. Right. Um, it, it's funny. We, I've got a good friend, Kyle knows him too. That was a photographer for, um, sports illustrated yeah. and, and several other things. And, um, I was featured in Independent Agent Magazine this last month, and in order for them to put me on the cover, they obviously had to take pictures, and so I we had a live event, and I just said, look, this is going to actually work out perfectly. I've got a live event that I'm speaking at. You can get some action shots, people in the room, and then we rented out the Florida Aquarium that night, had oh, a reception, nice. and I said, you guys can get pictures of us mingling and all of the other people that are there and everything else. What I didn't realize when I made that offer was I was going to live with a cameraman and his guy that ran around with the strobe <laughs> following night, you around the whole just, night yes dude night, he was like, a total animal too he was he was, and he was my goodness yeah he this guy was aggressive like <laughs> you had you had the people that were you know already about four to five drinks into the evening at the aquarium <laughs> trying to photobomb he wasn't having it he wasn't having, having it at all no and so I, I realized very quickly doug said you know you really you really hired a good photographer for this event i said what are you talking about he goes man that that strobe alone that that guy has is probably 15 or twenty thousand dollars i'm like well a i didn't hire this guy you know he's right. from he's from the magazine that's why he has that if yeah. i would have hired that guy he would have been having a guy running around with his cell phone flashlight you know <laughs> highlighting the subject while he's going to take a picture so it led me you know Camera equipment is interesting. I'm not even going to tell you like I'm novice level. We obviously have the podcast. I record a ton of stuff in terms of YouTube content, and I've got an online learning ecosystem where we have a training program, and so I use that use it for that. But man, you can rack up a bill in a hurry if you allow yourself to. So practical advice. If, if we've got people listening to this, which everybody should be looking at getting into video, what are the must-haves? What do they need to start with? Yeah, so... Um I'm a little bit different, right? Because I'm from the broadcast industry, so I have, I do have an exp very expensive camera that's shooting me. I have a, a Canon C500. Um, you don't need that that big of a camera or, or a camera with a prime lens, <laughs> but um, any DSLR type camera would work. Uh, you can also use, um, you know. Razer makes a really great webcam that you can change the focus with. You can change the color temperature with. Um, that that works great. Um, PTZ Optics makes a really good camera, mm -hmm. a huddle cam. Um, you need a good microphone. I have a, the Shure microphone, but uh, the Yeti Blue uh, right here is another uh, good microphone that plugs into your computer. Yeah, we're, we're equally aligned, man. You got a Yeti, and I've got an SM7B. So yeah, I have. I, have, I use the Shure. <laughs> I have the shore right here on an arm, but I have, um, we have, uh, 25 Yeti blues, uh, and then, uh, some lights. I have one, two, three lights, uh, traditional television lighting is three point light. You want a key, a fill and a backlight. So I have a, a light on either side of my camera and a light above me for my head and my shoulders. 
Uh, and then I have so, two lights on the floor shooting up on the background to give it some some color. What do you think about natural light blasting off your windowsill into your face? <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready to say, I bet he hates your guts right now, man. Yeah, like, you, were the, you were the it's, absolute worst, and I'm probably not much better because I actually ridiculous. made an attempt to have some level of lighting. And yeah, I can't like, even, That's the whole thing, man. My friends that are photographers and stuff. I'm, is he's is is he is sitting here telling us all of this? I like see the the cord to a light coming down behind my my shoulder over there, and you know whatever it is what it is. We we warned Howie ahead of time what he was getting into. So kind of along That's those right. lines though, like what are, what are some common mistakes you see? Is that is is it lighting? Because that seems like an easy obvious one to me. Um, lighting and sound, that. lighting yeah. and, and sound. Yeah, um, people showing up with like the airpods right for for a headset and microphone huge mistake we we don't even allow that on shows that we're a part of uh when we have do like real broadcast shows no way uh so you know what's interesting about that that you bring that up is like i see some stuff on sports center where you know whoever they're interviewing they're just sitting there with their iphone cords hanging down and it's like you would think that you know somebody like espn would have this a little bit more locked down but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we uh, I I, ha- I have an earpiece or an IFB kind of like what the news uses, and it uh it goes behind your ear and it just mm-hmm. fits in my ear. You can't even see it, and um that that's what we send out with our equipment. We'll send out we'll send headsets like um like Sony headsets just in case as a backup should that break. But um yeah, we try to make it look as professional and as clean as possible. I had no idea you were wearing an earpiece, man. Oh, really? really? Yeah. No, can't, yeah. we couldn't see it until you no. just showed us. Yeah, there you we go. We couldn't see it. Yeah. I, I think that – I can't speak for the majority, but I think that podcasters in general just think it's pretty – like it's cool that they wear headphones, right? Like you're not an official <laughs> podcaster if you're not wearing these over-the-ear headphones. I'd much rather wear the earpiece. Yeah, the oh, earpiece yeah. Is, is way better. That's insane. Mm. So – what about the live streaming piece? What about uh, tips around that? If if somebody wanted to set that up, and I'm not look, I'm not asking for your secret sauce. You got a yeah, business no, 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 man, no. so if anybody wants to do this stuff, they can reach out to you and have you, you know, and and talk to you about it. But if I wanted to go and and set up my own internet channel, mm-hmm. um, where, where do I start? Yeah, you you need a good computer, right? You need a computer that uh, can handle the processing of a camera, my audio, and simultaneously record and or stream it live. A lot of computers can't even hand, can't handle doing everything together. And you also need the internet speed to support the stream. A lot of people are concerned about their download speed for like Netflix and the streaming uh, companies. But when you're live streaming, you need to be concerned with the upload speed. If you mm-hmm. don't have a minimum of 10 to 20 upload speed, there's no way you're going to be able to live stream from the location you're at. So that's like a number one priority. I have a gig both ways um, when I'm wow. plugged in. Uh, and so that's number one. Number two is your computer, right? Number three is your 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 camera and your audio and your lighting and you just need to rehearse and practice just showing up two minutes before the live stream was supposed to start 
and hitting go or stream, you can't do it that way. We rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. We make sure that our live stream uh, settings are correct, whether it's the stream key and URL. Uh, we that's you know that's how I come from a, a background of rehearse, 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 rehearse. Yeah, that was the other thing about having that photographer take all those pictures was like I've never seen. I, we were talking about it actually. The old days when you used to have actual rolls of film, <laughs> you right, had right, to right. change out. This guy's got like an AR-15 with a bump fire stock on it. The way just taking pictures in yeah. like every little micro movement or whatever else. Right. It like it's mind numbing. If you're the person, yeah. If you're the person that's going through that, you really, you know, you got to be prepared for it. Like nobody prepared me. That's what I was going to be dealing with. I had just gotten done with doing an, uh, you know, an in-person boot camp for eight hours straight on how to sell commercial insurance. Right. The last thing I wanted to do was be standing in a room with somebody saying, "Nope, an eighth of an inch to the right. Now tilt your head a little bit this way." But you know, and I knew the only warning that I had, and it was only because I knew that I, I recognized I was probably in trouble at this point is when he told me to go to the bathroom and, and, um, take a paper, a towel, a damp towel, wipe my face off and then blot it to get rid of the shine because they were right. going to have to come in and get, um, and, and put some makeup, shiny ass forehead. It. Yeah. And, and put, uh, some, some powdered makeup on me. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is, okay. This is the real <laughs> deal at this point. This isn't, point and click with uh, the iPhone anymore. No, so no, no. It took us like 30 or 40 minutes to get just the one shot that they wanted for the cover. And that hmm. was in a controlled environment where they So that I was, was that was after everything is, so is when that picture got taken. Yeah, we finished okay. the boot camp and I went to a side room. They had set up in another room a uh, mini studio in there. Okay. So they whisked me off to the side to go do that, and then I came out when it was over, and then that's when I ended up running and went back up to the room and changed and went to the aquarium. But preparation's key, man. I think that there, totally. there's a lot to be learned from that. You know, we're not, and I'd be the first one to tell you. We, I told Kyle, you know, as we move into the part, the first part of this year, we need to get better at preparing. Um, instead of just gripping and ripping, we have a lot of good conversations, but quite frankly, we have a lot of wasted time too. just BS and back and forth or whatever else. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's fun and people can learn about our families and, you know, it, it creates a bond. It's, it's always a wild thing when I talk to somebody on the phone and like, oh my gosh, you're the same person in person as you are yeah. on your podcast. I'm like, well, yeah, because I'm not smart enough to be one person, let alone two people. You know, I can't, I can't be a different guy, but you know, I, th I think that we owe it to the people that are tuning in and we owe it to uh, anybody who chooses to sponsor us or whatever to make sure that we're delivering the absolute best product mm -hmm. we can. And, and, you know, that's that's one of our goals as we jump into 2022 is just to have better preparation on the front end. Yeah, I mean, just to give you an example, uh, an hour before we, we sat down to do the show, I my my podcast studio is downstairs. I came down, I turned my lights on, I turned the camera on, I turned the computer on, I made sure everything was hooked up and ready to go. So at, you know, 11 o'clock, I could just click on the link. Uh, it don't leave like, things like that to chance, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, it's no different than preparing for an appointment, you know? Right. We, we do the same thing or, um, you know, should be doing the same thing for clients that we are, you know, prospects that we go out and meet with, um, you know, kind of running through everything, running through what kind of questions we have, things that we need to touch on and, you know, how we can audible if, um, you know, if, if curveballs right. get thrown our way. So, um, hundred percent. 
Yeah, I just think it's different. I think we look at it differently when we're going on an appointment because there's immediate gratification from that appointment, right? You go in, you're on your A game, you close the deal, you know you're getting paid. You we're cre- we're batch recording podcasts sometimes <laughs> two, three, four times a day, and we weren't we're not going to know for two months whether or not it was successful. You know, we, right. we were talking, we were joking about it originally. We'll have somebody on that we think is an absolute tool, like just droning on about senseless stuff. And we we publish 100% of who we have on, but and we're, we're just bored out of our minds. And we're like, oh, that's going to be terrible. And it's always the best one, like has more <laughs> downloads. I get emails from people and everything else. And then we'll have one we think is an absolute banger, and it's terrible. You know, maybe people, we people suck. Maybe like maybe me. maybe we're the tools. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it might be, man. That may be it. So... Anyhow, so talk a little bit about one of the questions that that I wanted to ask is, and we're going in a completely different direction here. Sure. But why why should we follow our gut? I'm a big believer uh, in following your gut in business, hundred percent. Like anybody who knows yeah. me will know. If I get a gut instinct on something, boom, I'm going to go after it, and I'm going to go after it with reckless abandon. Now I may cut bait. Two weeks later, if I realize, okay, this was not what I wanted to do. But I do think that one thing I am really, really good at is seeing opportunity. And it's not something that I necessarily was trained or coached on. I just think it was a, a trait that I, I possess where I, I can look at something and I can say, you know what? I can make money off of that. Or I could I could really drive change over here. And in my mind, I'm immediately like, there is no warm-up period for me, Howie. Like if I, if I had an opportunity present itself to me right now, I would be a thousand miles an hour going at that shiny object right now. And it's also a detriment because there's a lot of other things that get neglected when I get distracted by something like that, but I don't miss opportunities, you know, and maybe one or two out of 10 actually work out, but they work out in such a way that it makes up for all the things that I missed. So I haven't really been burnt bad by trusting my gut. I just have to be very cognizant of when I need to stop doing something too. Right. So it, it was. It's an interesting question because I mean, with you having multiple businesses at this point and being in a position where you have a very unique skill set, you know, how do you trust your gut? Yeah. So, uh, great question. So, I trust my gut, and there's several examples throughout my career. The first one, you know, I was always scared to hire an employee. It was just me. Um, but I knew that I was making mistakes. I was working through the night trying to do payroll and things like that. And I was like, you know what? I've got to trust my gut and go with it and hire someone because I'm like being pulled down. So I hired, uh, Lori and it was the best decision I made. I I can't even tell you a month after we hired her, we started scaling and the business grew tremendously just because so much was taken off my plate and I didn't have to be doing every little thing, uh, especially on the business side uh, of the of of the business. And then um, I, I um, had the opportunity to go to a mastermind in California and being from New York, I, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to travel out there and and um, I had plans I had plans for the weekend of the mastermind and plans kind of fell through right before. And I said, you know what? I really should be doing this. I got to trust my gut. I got to pay the money and go out, go out to this thing. And it was one of the best decisions I made because I met, um, um, 
I knew already knew Steve Eckhart, who was the owner of the gym I went to, and he introduced me to Bedros Koulian, who's the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp. And uh, I went to another mastermind of theirs, and then I became a coaching client of Bedros, which was another instance of trusting my gut to spend a lot of money to hire a business coach, because it just kind of broadened and opened my horizons on what I was capable of, you know, bringing of doing. Uh, things I never even thought of, like writing a book, starting a course, opening up a second, third business, um, and then uh, the one of the, another last example is trusting my gut. Is our company, uh, my first company, HJZ Productions, was hired to put the crew together for the West Point graduation during COVID. Hmm. Mind you, there's been no other remote TV broadcasts up until this point. And, and, and um, no precision required when you're doing anything at all for West Point. They right. prefer you to operate sloppily, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. And this, so this was going to be the first broadcast since COVID shut everything down. And I hired the, we hired everyone from the producer to the director. And the director said, I need to have my technical director, the person that pushes the buttons when the director says, take camera one, take camera two. And he's like, I need to have my guy there. And, I, and he had an 818 area code. So to me, that meant he lived in California. I was like, no. I said, I got so many guys that have been sitting home for three months that could use the work. He said, I need to have my person there. And um, I said, okay, I, you know what? My gut's telling me just go with what Patrick wants. Uh, so I hired Jamie. I trusted my gut. Jamie became not only one of my, you know, my business partner, but one of my, you know, close, close friends. We've collaborate, collaborated a ton on live streaming projects and it's just, you know, he's way smarter than I am. So it's just, you know, associating with someone that's smarter than you and it's just, you know, brought me to another level. Nice. So you mentioned both a book and a course. Do you have those things right now? You yes. expanded out and created it. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we have a course uh, and a book that's associated with getting into the broadcast sports industry uh, for young young people that are either not going to college or just went to college for television and you know kind of don't know the path. Uh, so we give them the tools to give them the the proper training on getting into the television sports industry. And we wrote a book on, on how to shoot all the five major sports, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, boxing from every camera position, uh, as long with all the different job responsibilities within the television community. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. That's highly specialized information. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, what, that would uh, be like me me writing a book on how to construct a complete insurance and risk management program <laughs> for an organization with tw <laughs> 25 different operating entities or something. <laughs> it, unless you want to get into that, it sounds like absolutely horrendous. But the reason I ask is I have two boys who are both in TV production as part of their curriculum in high school oh, right now. Hmm. And I'm looking, I don't necessarily want to push them into sports. I want to, I want to push them into something that can selfish helped me in some way shape or form <laughs> but i mean that would be interesting i think they would probably really enjoy reading that stuff so i'll make sure that i what, what's the name of your book so i can write it down and make sure i pick them up a copy oh i, I can send it to you it's uh the broadcast sports course it's it's only available if you take the course but i could send you a copy it's um it's it's it it's 
it's 20 years worth of information, you know, and it's in digital form because we wanted people, especially younger people when they're on the job site to be able to reference back if I'm doing this camera on this position at this location in this sport, what are my key responsibilities and sports shooting TV sports is, is a formula. Each, each sporting event is a formula and how it's shot. And in football, what, what camera you're doing depend and what your responsibilities are, are where is the ball and which direction of the field is the ball going and your responsibilities change. Same with hmm. baseball. If there's a runner on first or second and there's one out versus a right-handed batter or a left-handed batter, or if there's two outs, your responsibilities completely change. Some you would have no – I mean, I've yeah. never no. thought about that in my life. No, right. I mean, I, I. it makes sense because if you're playing baseball and there's a right or left-handed batter up and a runner in a certain position, you have to change your fielding Totally makes too. sense. Yeah. But you don't think about that, no. right? I, I would right. never have thought of that. Well, there's mm-hmm. no time for the director to say, camera one, do this, camera two, do this. So uh, everyone knows that when there's a right-handed batter up, the camera at low first is going to shoot the right-handed batter to get the head, you know, the chest medium chest shot for the lower third graphic uh or it's taken from center field and every time you know the ball's hit in the air they're going to go to high home camera two to watch the field to watch the play so and all the uh scoring usually happens off low first which is the camera at the first base dugout to watch the runner round third and cross home fascinating stuff man what have, yeah. what have yeah, we not I, touched I mean, I, on that, that you wanted to talk about? I was going to say, I can't even imagine the amount of preparation that yeah. you have to have. I mean, and just the constant beating it into your head to know where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there. And the storylines, right? Because you're listening to the announcers and uh, the announcers are telling stories. So you want your pictures to match the stories that the announcers are pl- are telling. So you need to know that on the away team that you know the star player on the away team is number whatever right you need to know all that stuff uh before the game starts and we have little cheat sheets you know especially for football they're called three deeps uh uh because obviously there's a bunch of people at each position but um and there's a lot to know and little pictures Mm -hmm. of coaches that are in the booth you know a mile away uh so things like that but just being prepared is is key I, I can only imagine. So what have we missed? What what do you want to talk about that we haven't brought up yet? I think we've talked about a ton. It's been great. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm and I'm just my mind is spinning because I could I go know. for hours talking about this, but I don't know that everybody wants to listen to me ask you a bunch <laughs> of questions selfishly because I'm filing it away, man. I mean, having having played sports as as Kyle and, and just knowing what we know about what we had to do. You never think about any of the other stuff, man. And I mean, I think Mm. there's probably a life lesson in there somewhere too that goes back to the whole, you never know how much worse somebody has it than you do, right? Right, (laughs) The guy guy shooting the camera on the sidelines of a football game or even a a, a baseball game that has to worry about taking a liner off the head and doing a backflip into the dugout, like... That's a bad day. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I do a lot of horse racing. I've done... 20 Kentucky derbies and the number one thing at the, and I'm always operating a wireless camera and the biggest fear is being kicked by a horse. And I've come within, you know, two feet uh, of a horse. That's how close we get to them. And, 
you know, the thoroughbreds are very skittish animals, and that's a very it's With a very very muscular hindquarters. Yeah. Yes, and it could kill you. So you're you know we're put in dangerous dangerous positions and places. So it's always safety is always been paramount mm-hmm. in, in the back of my mind. Yeah, because again, you're distracted, man. You're like yeah. you're distracted, not necessarily distracted, but you're focused on what you're doing and anything else is a distraction to you. So you're trying to right. stay laser focused to make sure you're where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there shooting exactly what you're supposed to. Exactly. So many things could happen. Well, listen, man, I want to wrap up. I, I feel like we've probably covered everything we need to. I appreciate you coming on. This has really sure. been really interesting to hear what you have to say. Your your course. Talk about your course again because you never know who who's listening in our yeah, audience. It, and I don't want to. It's the broadcast sports course. And uh, we give it a few times a year. We, we train. Uh, it's a two-day in-person boot camp with a six-month after-the-fact training uh, teaching young people how to get in and to the broadcast sports industry and give them the tools that they need to be successful. Uh, we teach them who the clients are, how to communicate with clients, how to send emails uh, that work, and you know how to show up and give 150% every time. And you know that that's it. Okay, cool deal. So where do they find that? Is it on a website? Do you have yeah, a, a so, URL uh, you can share? All of our companies have, uh, we're all linked back to the same family uh, group website, howiezales.com. Uh, you can find our podcast there. You can find uh, our live stream uh, and content delivery network information there. And of course, the b- broadcast sports course. Good deal. So for everybody cool. listening to this, we will have a link to that in the show notes for howiezales.com. Howie, thank you so much for coming on today. Truly a pleasure getting to know you. Wish you nothing but the best in the future and look forward to following what you're doing, man. You got a fan. Thank you, guys. Good deal. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 